Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. Every year, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices holds meetings to review scientific data and vote on vaccine recommendations. The meetings are open to the public. At last month's meeting, my guest, talking as fast as possible to pack as much information as she could into the three minutes she was given to comment, called for an immediate halt to all gene therapy vaccine campaigns, and while giving the scientific reasons why, was literally cut off in mid-sentence. Today, Dr. Chansey Chun Lindsay is here to go into detail about the dire safety concerns that she shares with dozens of other leading scientists and doctors around the world about these gene therapy vaccines. Dr. Lindsay has more than 30 years of scientific experience in toxicology and mechanistic biology, and she'll tell you what that is. In the mid 90s, she developed a temporary human contraceptive vaccine that caused unanticipated autoimmune ovarian destruction and sterility. So for her, and she'll explain why, these gene therapy vaccines for COVID could in some ways be, to quote a famous baseball player, deja vu all over again. Welcome, Dr. Lindsay. Thank you very much, Christina, thank you. So the first thing I would like you to do is explain what mechanistic biology is and how that's pertinent to what we're gonna be talking about. Sure. So mechanistic biology is really the study of why and how things happen biologically the way they do. It's uh, getting at the mystery of what causes pathology in varying disease processes. And for me, I often do that at the molecular level. I received a PhD in biochemistry and molecular biology. Molecular biology is the study of all things RNA, DNA, and protein, uh, all the small things. Uh, which is a subset of biochemistry as a discipline. Okay. Wait a second. I'm sorry. This is. Um... We're going to have to start this over because <laughs> I can't have that noise. Did you hear that? Uh, I only heard it for just a moment. Yeah. I heard a, a ding ding. Yeah, yeah. Wait, do you mind if we start it over? Because I really, I hate to have. Um... No, can, can they edit that part out? Do you want me to just restart? You had such a beautiful introduction. I hate to make you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Dr. Lindsay, explain what mechanistic biology is and why it's germane to what we're gonna be talking about today. Sure. So mechanistic biology is the study of how and why things happen at the molecular level uh, in a disease process. I have a PhD in biochemistry and molecular biology. Molecular biology is a study of all things RNA, DNA, and protein and, and smaller chemicals at the biochemical level. Uh, mechanistic biology helps us understand molecular mechanisms behind disease. And I'm accustomed to doing that both for my toxicology cases and also in my research for varying clients uh, to help them understand why and how their products may be causing injury or disease or not causing injury or disease against other backgrounds. Okay, so I wanna go through 
each and every one of the concerns that you articulated and maybe and also those that maybe you didn't have time to articulate to the CDC. So the first one you talked about had had to do with fertility. So Correct. could you talk about that? What is what is the concern and what is the science behind it? So as you discussed briefly, I was involved um, on a team. I was a junior scientist at the time. Uh, in the development of a contraceptive vaccine that was meant to be temporary, the, the Zona Pellucida vaccine. We did all the things that we were supposed to do with respect to trying to blast sequences against each other to make sure that it wouldn't cause any kind of autoimmune reaction. And despite that, we ended up getting an autoimmune action, a reaction that was very strong that caused complete ovarian destruction. Uh, clearly, that was not what we intended, but it was a cautionary tale as to how, despite your best efforts in trying to understand how the body works and how you can prevent autoimmune reactions, that you can still get these reactions uh, because we just don't fully understand the way the human body works and our, our immune system works. So uh, skipping animal trials and not using appropriate animal models should never be undertaken when you're uh, going to immunize on a mass scale, especially for a disease with such a low morbidity and mortality rate. Uh, there's just no sense in it. Well, now, so what is it exactly that the vaccine is doing in your in one's body that you think it caused this yes okay so we don't know first let me say that we don't know for sure that this is happening this is um, a hypothesis that it could be happening and we have no test to prove otherwise but we do have evidence to show that it definitely could be happening at, at this point for sure so uh the worry is that the spike protein that all of the gene therapy vaccines direct our bodies to make once we're inoculated has similar structure function uh to proteins called syncytin one and syncytin two these are ancient proteins retroviral ancient retroviral proteins that are involved in placentation they're involved in the sperm egg fusion phenomenon placentation in, is the making of the placenta uh the fusion of the trophoblast with the placenta the the fusion of the egg with uh, the placenta and the development. Okay. Uh, Sensations are more greatly expressed during pregnancy, uh, the levels increase. There's also aberrant syncytin expression in some placental diseases. Um, there's aberrant syncytial expression in breast cancer. Syncytins are involved in a number of, of different things outside of reproduction, autoimmune disease, multiple sclerosis, bipolar depression. Uh, there are many roles for the syncytins, but because of this similarity, the potential for a cross reaction of the antibodies that you're trying to develop against the spike protein, potentially cross reacting with the syncytins instead and altering their function in normal homeostasis, uh, there's a great concern that you could impact fertility and reproductive outcome. You know, um, I have- In males heard, and females. Yeah, I, I, have, I have heard um, that there are some uh, adverse events that have been 
reported that sort of imply that. Um, yes. I, I, could you talk about those? Uh, sure. So um, in VAERS, the VAERS reporting system, which of course is a voluntary reporting system, and we have to, we have to uh, look at it with, with some amount of skepticism. Uh, it also only holds, uh, I've heard, less than 1% to 10% of all adverse yes. reactions reported. So it, it, it's estimated to be greatly underreported. I was astounded when I went in today to submit another written comment to ASEP, and I was tallying up the numbers. And the, the number of miscarriages from reported from April 9th to April 30th has more than, uh, or sorry, more than doubled. It was 100 miscarriages as of April 9th, and now it is at 213 in the space of 20 days. That is alarming. Um, I've what does that mean? <laughs> So um, what I suspect is that the gene therapies are in some manner interfering with uh, successful maintenance of pregnancies, uh, placental, placental uh, disruptions wow. is, what, is what I suspect. Um, and this can be tested. You know, this is my biggest anger is it would be so easy for these manufacturers to have done these ELISA studies to test whether there's, a, there's any autoimmune potential against the syncytins. They have all the pre-inoculation serum. They have the post-inoculation serum. It would literally, as I stated in my first uh, written submission, take them a day to do an initial study to see if there was any antibody reactivity that was, that was different pre versus post-inoculation or uh, amongst women that are, that are having fertility issues. I'm hearing about this now, that fertility clinics are reporting uh, impairments among clients and, and sperm counts and uh, gestation outcomes. So th this is serious. What is this ELISA test? So it's, it's an, immune, an immunoassay. Uh, basically, you could coat these 96 well plates with uh, recombinant human syncytin one and syncytin two, and then put the varying seras on them coupled to a chromogenic uh, indicator, which lets you know if there's more or less antibody reaction, uh, you'll have a brighter or lesser indication of the signal. So monitor. So what, so you're saying that they could right now, they could do this testing in one day on any of these people who have had these adverse reactions, is that is that the who they should do it on? Or no, I think I think that would be a little more difficult uh, to gather all that up. They could do the tests on, uh, although they do have people that have had adverse reactions in the studies, and they could start their uh, miscarriage uh, in the studies. So they could take sera from those people. They already have the sera. This is what I'm saying. They already have the sera stored oh. for all of the trial participants pre-inoculation plus post-inoculation. That would be uh, the logical study design. Um, so, and they haven't the trials, done this. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. 
I because mean, it's been over a year since the reports, the concerns were first voiced by Dr. Yidna, uh, Dr. Woodard. Um, another uh, prominent scientist brought them up, uh, Dr. Gallagher. Um, I think that, uh, and several at Dr. Roxana Bruno from Argentina, who's written an excellent paper. An well, excellent could they paper. request those CIRA from, from, uh, from the manufacturers and say, hey, we'll do the testing? I, I don't know whether or not the uh, pharma companies will give over their CIRA from the trial participants. I expect they want to save all they can. <laughs> But it's certainly something that we could do uh, in the population. We could recruit people. In fact, we're having discussions about that now, how to recruit subjects uh, to get their stira to test if, they've if they have elevations against their background uh, level of um, sensit sensitin reactions. Um, because sensitins are implicated in some pathogenic placental natural infections, um, there's a good chance that uh, some people have sensitin autoantibodies as well, uh, just in the background population. Right. So we'd have to get enough people uh, to really enough controls and enough people from each of the uh, vaccine vaccination campaigns. An ideal uh, experimental design would be to take someone pre-inoculation, measure their uh, antibodies against the syncytins and then after the first shot and then post-inoculation after the first shot and then after the second shot and then uh, well it seems to me you can't do you can't do that thing fast you can't do that fast enough I mean you really need to know right. this right. you know I I read today in the Daily Mail yes it's a rag I know but um some Miami University scientists have said that they have found uh, erectile problems in people who had COVID and recovered six months later, these people are having uh, erectile. Is it just erectile or is it spermatogenesis? Because Dr. Ramesey at the University of Miami is conducting the only study that I know of right now on reproductive endpoints. He's, he's got a trial that's running with 60 male participants and he's looking at sperm count. Um, and he took this on because he early on saw that there was impairment in spermatogenesis and some severe COVID-19 cases. And that was likely due to spike protein interacting with ACE receptors in the testes. So if you take that forward, now you're making spike protein. There's also papers showing that spike protein localizes to the testes. So here we are making a bunch of spike protein that's going to go to the testes that could impair spermatogenesis. There's, there's excellent, and we see the same thing with COVID-19, severe COVID-19 infection and placental um, abnormalities that um, are very consistent with preeclampsia and syncytins are thought to play a role in preeclampsia. So there's all these forward and backward mechanistic reasons for us to believe that these vaccine gene, gene therapies will impair fertility and reproductive outcome, yet we're not doing the studies. Why? Well, the other thing that I found alarming, and I don't understand the science behind it, and perhaps you can tell me whether you think this is true or not, um, and, and how, it how it would work, 
But I'm understanding also that the sterilization component would not just affect this generation, but the next generation of, of people. So that gets into whether or not the gene therapies have the ability to integrate into our genome and then be passed uh, onward in successive generations. There's some evidence for that based on past uh, studies of both mRNA and adenoviral vector uh, gene sequences being uh, transcribed or uh, directed into the genome. Um, just as retroviral, we have a lot of retroviral and all kinds of virus uh, sequence within our own genome. So we know it happens. Oh Not ruling this out. I mean, that is very dangerous. Yeah, that's, that's kind of terrifying. Again, a forward and backward mechanistic um, proof. And, and what do you think, what do you think the time frame is for really finding out what what the damage is if there is going to be damage when how how what is the timeline do you think um you know i i think we're not really sure uh these are this is a brand new experiment in humans we literally are the guinea pigs in this case and it still is experimental and that is so frustrating to me that people think that it is not experimental that it is fda approved these therapies are fda approved they are not not FDA approved. They are FDA authorized under an emergency authorization, but they are not FDA approved. And in my opinion, they should never be FDA approved the way they stand now. They are unsafe. Uh, we don't know what the long-term outcome is. And, for, and at best they're treatments because they don't prevent contraction or transmission of SARS-CoV-2. If you don't prevent contraction and transmission, then it's not a vaccine. It is a treatment. At best, it lessens symptoms. But we have a whole lot of things that lessen symptoms and also prevent contraction. So we have vitamin D, we have hydroxychloroquine, we have ivermectin. Uh, there are other you know, monoclonal antibody treatments. There are all sorts of other treatments. Yeah, but those are unmentionables, according to the World Health Organization, the NIH, and, and uh, the CDC. I mean, what is going on with that? What science is, is Science is being turned on its head, and it so upsets me. Uh, the first thing that really caught my attention were the hydroxychloroquine studies. As a toxicologist, I've had a couple of hydroxychloroquine uh, cases and uh, for malarial prevention where people yep. took too much. And it is a safe and effective uh, treatment. It's also used for autoimmune disease on a daily basis. It's used in other countries on a daily basis for malarial prophylaxis in children and pregnant women. Uh, the cardiotoxicity studies related to hydroxychloroquine, and I can't emphasize this enough, were fraudulent. They were pulled, they were published in two of the most respected journals in the world, The Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine, and they were patent frauds. The database which they referred to was fake. It was run by an adult content model. Um, the the How does that fraud happen? was astounding and it passed peer review. So what does that tell you about the people that are peer reviewing this? 
But I, I was just astounded that, and, and then not much ado was made about the fact that they were fake and uh, to push yeah. an agenda. Yeah, yeah. And it was that, and then when the World Health Organization changed the definition of herd immunity for a very short time, luckily they were called out and it's been somewhat modified, to only being attainable through vaccination, turning hundreds of years of immunology on its head. That is ridiculous, it is patently false. Well, the World Health Organization has a very checkered record of um, doing some very, uh, actually, illegal behavior. I mean, you know, they, they, uh, they tried to secretly, and they, they went to Kenya and they went to- No, they, they've been involved and we've been involved in sterilization campaigns in other countries, according to the Kissinger Doctrine in 1971. Yep. You know, we've, we've done that covert operations in order to sterilize uh, women and children. It's a, an abomination. Um, so do you, you, don't think, you don't think this is that on steroids, do you? Partially, I do think that the people that are involved, um, they're the same. Gates, place. Bill Gates at the highest at the highest level is a eugenicist and does advocate for population control. That a group of people um, would like to see our population reduced by ninety percent for sustainability, and that a lot of what's going on right now has to do with um, the Great Reset and social control and getting us used to being socially controlled. So all these things are intertwined uh, with this. And let's be clear about the Kissinger thing. The Kissinger thing mm -hmm. is that they call them LDCs, less developed countries. Correct. They need to lower the population in the um, less developed countries to have easier access to the minerals and to resources. resources Correct. of those. And so that's, uh, that's yeah, it's a, it's a lot to keep in your head, but let's let's move on to the second thing that you talked about um, about uh, the coagulation or the thrombosis that is that is caused that is that it, at least there have been some adverse reactions showing that uh, people are throwing off clots and so on with these vaccines. Sure. Could you talk about that? Uh, yes. So uh, we have seen a lot of coagulopathies. Today, when I looked in bears, I saw that thrombocytopenia slash low platelet was up to 822 cases. Now that's people developing, you have to, you have to, <laughs> not everybody's an erudite scientist. You gotta a, a certain type of coagulopathy that's correlated with low platelet count was up to 822 cases. Coagulopathy um, being? Blood Any clot. kind of blood clot or hemorrhaging uh, okay. event that has to do with inappropriate uh, blood clotting and and uh, blood normalizing. Now that's how many cases and how much time? In what time? So that's um, and I need to look at my last document to see ahead, to see the the jump uh, in cases, but that had uh, tripled in a period of from April 9th to April 30th. 
And uh, people have to understand that the scientists at the CDC are also, and, and not scientists, just data people, are still backfilling adverse events into the VAERS system that we know of still back into March. Okay, so they don't have everything they don't have anything. Don't. Nobody, nobody set about to monitor this correctly. And it's alarming that we don't have a better handle on this. So the deaths that you see listed in bears are not even the totality. They're not up to date. Oh my God. They're still backfilling. Uh, oh boy. In so my opinion, there is no oversight no adequate oversight of what's going on with these gene therapies. And they are mixing up the variable so much as to make it impossible for us to pull out any good evidence. And I'll give you an example of that uh, before we go back into clotting. They're now classifying breakthrough cases of COVID, people who get COVID after have been, having been fully vaccinated. They're only positive if they test positive at a PCR cycle threshold of 28, and if they're hospitalized or die or and die. That's crazy. While they're keeping everybody else that's unvaccinated at, a, at the threshold that they used to be at, perhaps 35 to 40. The higher threshold, which right? is So automatically you've destroyed one variable. Uh, they're also saying you're positive if you're asymptomatic. So now you can't do an apples to apples comparison among the unvaccinated to the vaccinated for efficacy or see how many people truly have breakthrough COVID infections as compared to the background population. You've skewed it to a point, but what it will effectively do is make it look like children and the unvaccinated are the predominant reservoir for SARS, which will then prompt them to say, well, look, this is the only group that has SARS now. We're never going to eliminate it. We're never going to get rid of it. We must vaccinate the children. We must vaccinate the unvaccinated in order to get rid of this horrible pandemic. This is what it's going to do. And it's so, fraud. It is fraud and data manipulation at the highest level. Oh my God. Yes, it's terrible. And with the clotting, we knew the clotting was going to happen. We had Zhang, uh, Zhang et al. Uh, and his group, or her, her group, in uh, 2020, and, and it's uh, Xi Zhang, uh, SARS-CoV binds platelet-ACE2 to enhance thrombosis in COVID-19. They took uh, purified spike protein, they infused it in a mice that had been transfected with the humanized ACE2 receptor so that they had ACE2 uh, competent platelets and uh, they had a, a iron chloride uh, type set up where they could look at induced thrombosis and effects on induced thrombosis. And they found massive coagulopathy in mice with the humanized ACE2 receptor that they did not see in wild type mice, proving that the humanized ACE2 receptor binding with spike protein was responsible for the clotting. They then took it further and did some spike assays with uh, just blood, as did another group. Uh, and Grobelar et al. and showed that uh, you could induce clotting just with spike. And then more so, 
this, these clots were resistant to normal fibrinolysis for some reason. They would what not. What does that mean? What's fibrinolysis? Whatever. So normally your, your body has a mechanism to get rid of clots uh, with fibrinolysis. You can dissolve these clots internally, but for some reason, these particular clots were, were resistant to fibrinolysis, which means these clots are more deadly than normal. Um, it's just alarming. And we knew this in the fall of 2020 before these vaccines were put on the open market. So this surprise, oh my gosh, blood clots, we never expected that. It's just silly. Uh, well, it's almost criminal, it feels like, if they knew that this was going to happen, you know? I agree. Okay. So where are we going next with this? Um, oh, Immune escape. Uh, this is your third, uh, your third uh, point that you were mm -hmm. making to the CDC. Could you talk about that? Sure. This um, one's really. I'm going to take a drink of water really quick. Okay. So, <clears throat> immune escape is something that happens when you vaccinate with leaky, what we call leaky vaccines. Leaky vaccines are vaccines which enable the inoculated subject to contract the virus still. What happens is that subject contracts the virus and then whatever the immunogen is that, that uh, they've been vaccinated against is not appropriate enough to keep them from getting the virus and the virus incubates within them and they almost become their own little gain of function laboratory. Oh, wow. Uh, spewing mutants that, or generating mutant strains of the virus, which are different from that which they've been inoculated to because the virus tries to escape to go on to transfect somebody else. And with these vaccines, Geert Vanderbosch, Dr. Geert Vanderbosch did a great job of explaining this, although I don't completely agree with his analysis. Um, as, as far as a solution. Uh, but basically, we have leaky vaccines with all of these vaccines because you can still get SARS-CoV-2 and you can still transmit it. But you're likely to transmit a variant since your body's busy making vaccines that will escape your own immune attempt against the virus. Wait, your body's, wait. Your body is making vaccines or? Oh, sorry. Your body's making viral variants, not vaccines okay. because of your ability to contract and also transmit the virus still with being vaccinated. It's a leaky vaccine. So a classic example of this is Merrick's disease in chickens, where chickens are inoculated with this vaccine and it's leaky and they uh, infect other chickens with more lethal mutants that ends up killing the unvaccinated chickens. Now, do I think that's going to happen uh, with us? No, I don't. Um, I think that the variants that are popping up are, um, are able to be put under control with competent immune systems as long as we stop this campaign of vaccinating. We know that persons who had SARS in 2003 uh, are still immune to SARS and across immune to SARS-CoV-2, even though there's supposed to be a 20% divergence between the two. Now the mutants at most are supposed to have a 3% divergence to SARS-CoV-2. 
So you would expect with competent uh, immune systems and uh, a natural response to COVID that you would be able to protect yourself against all these variants. And in fact, there's evidence to say that that's true in immunocompetent individuals. So I would suggest stopping everything with the vaccine campaigns, even for just this alone, letting people who, uh, who happen to get, you know, prophylacting with vitamin D, treating with other treatments and letting people develop an immune response that will protect them against all these variants. Not, not further inoculating with NK uh, targeting vaccines, not giving boosters that again, are also unknown as to their long-term side effects. None of that, letting our God-given bodies and our immune systems work as they're meant to work. Do you know that um, one of the YouTube reasons for um, suppressing a, anything that is COVID related is if there is a discussion about one's immune system being a better protection, uh, providing better immunity uh, to COVID, than um, than the vaccine. Well, it's been proven that our immune systems provide better immunity to the vaccine or to the virus and the variants. Uh, I don't I don't know why this would be false or fact checked or suppressed. It's just fact. Um, now, what's going on? Is this in any way connected to? I'm reading reports on how even though more people have been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, COVID is going up, and one of my one of my weather veins is always to check on Vietnam, because Vietnam had basically eradicated COVID, and they started vaccinating in I think middle of March or something, mm -hmm. and they are now experiencing a COVID spike. So the same with Mongolia, and the same with a couple other countries. You are absolutely correct, and we see this globally. We see globally, take any country, look at the inoculation date, and then look at the COVID cases. This is the proof that COVID uh, vaccine gene therapies are causing immune suppression and making people more susceptible to contracting and dying from COVID because if you look at COVID deaths on world meter, they spike after inoculation, even in countries that have had zero deaths for months months of zero deaths, then all of a sudden they get a spike in, in COVID deaths right after the vaccines. That is science right there and it is being suppressed. There are many people that are reporting on it all over. There are actual reporters reporting on it and uh, it's, it's being covered up. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna tell you right now, um, you, you are not gonna make it onto my YouTube channel. You're gonna make it onto my BitChute bitch you channel because yeah. <laughs> I'll be censored <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's uh it's not funny actually it's it's very distressing because uh it's tragic well it's George it's, Orwell 1984 uh in practice right now yeah I it's criminal but the weird thing about it is there doesn't seem to be any way for doctors, scientists, researchers, and everybody 
to get together and file a class action suit against who? I mean, there are ways. No, there are ways and there are things being done. And the people that are accomplice in this, that are not doing their job, that are um, that are not doing the job that they that, that are knowing to protect health should be very worried. Well, I hope you're right. I mean, what is it that you've heard of that's being done? Uh, there are several lawsuits that are that are uh, in the I, process of. Uh, so far, I, I do follow some of the lawyers and and. Um, you know, so far, nobody seems to have had any successes. And that's why I'm so worried is because I feel like Mm -hmm. the systems system at the highest level is is also there has been a compromise of the justice system but not all of the justice system um well i hope you're right i feel not all of the justice system there's also been a corruption of the medical profession and a corruption of the scientific profession and it's it's alarming and it's very sad we are truly seeing the death of science because uh you can no longer express scientific opinions or dissent. If you can no longer have a scientific debate, then it's not science. And, and we, see it, we see it in a million different ways. The journals that scientists who were once able to publish their opinions and their research in being top tier journals, uh, now they can't get their dissenting opinions to the vaccine campaigns and anything but the farthest reach journals or online journals. And then they're criticized because of the journals that are carrying those stories. Well, that's not a reputable journal. And then at the same time, you see New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet doing really crappy work with respect well, to the hydroxychloroquine study. How did that happen? Right. Corruption. I mean, plain and simple corruption. Yeah, but people are dying because of this corruption. I mean, yep. it's one thing if you're doing some kind of science science uh, study on something where yep. you don't have the entire global population at risk here. I mean, this is the thing. This is the thing that I'm. I talk to lawyers, and I it's it's like I nobody seems to nobody seems to be able to get their arms around the entire crime the entire well it's it's multi integrated it's integrated into our social structure it's integrated into our news agencies it's integrated into our medical professionals it's integrated into our judicial officials i mean there is a move yeah um and our regulatory agencies. So the, the very agencies that are designed to protect us or, or were given the role of protecting our health and protecting our children from overreach by pharma, from lack of safety and efficacy studies have been corrupted. And but they are no and longer protecting on. us. They, they are no longer protecting they us. Never so, were. They never the vaccine, the, the vaccine industry has been protected forever. Let's put and it this way. Would you buy a car from a car manufacturer that you could not hold liable for a defect in the car? 
well, basically, exactly. or a consumer product. Would you buy a consumer product for a company that could not be held liable for a defect in that product? That's what we are doing with these vaccine companies. We are giving them ultimate freedom from any liability. Why should they make a safer vaccine? Why shouldn't they cut corners? Why, why should they make sure they've done the right studies? They have no liability if they don't. And somehow, somehow, that's, that to me seems- It's egregious. Be, well, it, it just seems to me like this has to be overturned in a court. It must be, it must be, but people have to speak up and they have to get angry enough and they have to get concerned enough. They have to value their children in their own health enough but the thing is, is they have got to, you know, I'm, I'm looking around as you're talking because I was going to read to you the, um, the YouTube, uh, the things that YouTube censors so that you could see it's virtually everything we're talking about, right? We've been talking about, right. right. And big tech is in on, is in on the re-social engineering of everything to, to yeah, the but, great but, reset too. Yep. But my point, my point to you is, my point to you is, where where is the opening for addressing these this crime? With it's, us, it's, it's yes, but it is with the people themselves. The people themselves have to demand this. But they are so heavily propagandized. Listen to what you say makes a hundred percent sense. The reason why I'm 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 not trying to be combative. I'm I'm sitting here as a Oh no, I get passionate about it as well and I get angry because I I just think it's such an egregious lack of, of ethics, morality that has taken place in our medical and regulatory professions. It's it's absolutely but disgusting. It's, it's give it's here's the bottom line. The bottom line is licenses being given to kill people on a massive scale, to injure people on a massive scale. You don't need troops. All you need is a vaccine now, you know, in a sense. And and I know that yeah. sounds incendiary or something, but when when I talk to doctors around the world and they all say the same thing, they, you know, they they're not allowed to have access to these drugs that that can that are life saving. Yes. yes, that are other treatments because COVID vaccines, COVID gene therapies are not vaccines. They are treatments because they do not prevent the contraction or the transmission of the disease. They only lessen the symptoms. Therefore, they should never have been given a designation of a vaccine. Never. They're well, a biological even, agent, which is a treatment. They well, are not a vaccine. In that case, it's it's also it's it's also false. Uh, what do you call it? Not false advertising, but you know. Well, failure for informed consent. Right, um, right. I mean, are you part of any kind of legal effort to, uh, you know? I don't really want to comment on that right now. Okay. Um, I mean, okay. I I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to find lawyers who can explain to me yeah. what cases can be made because that's where I am now. I, having literally after i spoke to these doctors and having spoken to uh some scientists and researchers i i suddenly you know it just sort of hit me you know all this information came together and this is a concerted effort 
on the parts of very specific agencies and and organizations and uh they're calling the shots and they're controlling the media completely and which means that they're controlling me and censoring me and and you know and i'm the least of it really because the physicians the frontline physicians are are, are where the rubber meets the road but because it it comes back down also to me forgetting you know my job is to get the message out the truth out to people i just feel like i want to you know i want to know what are the cases that can be made and who can join these cases because it seems to me this is this is an international crime against humanity yeah i think i can give you some names of people that you can contact and you can get more information about the different kinds of classes of lawsuits that are being put forth here and in other countries um reiner fulmick has i know reiner but reiner has not had any success in the courts yet he hasn't had any success the, the the israeli lawyers i i spoke to reiner and by the way my my interview with reiner of course was pulled was yanked off of youtube that was the first thing to be yanked off of youtube yeah and and then um the israeli lawyers uh i don't know if you know about them i mean this is to me, this is the most heartbreaking of heartbreaking scenarios. Two Israeli lawyers file a, a petition in the criminal court because mm -hmm. their own government has signed a contract with Pfizer, with Pfizer obligating their entire population to be experimental lab rats for the vaccine. Right, right, and they're mm -hmm. using they're using the law that was developed after the experimentation on jews during the holocaust they're invoking yes. that law in this the nuremberg yeah, yes. proceedings and it's just it's hard it's absolutely horrifying but they go yes. to the international criminal court and the international criminal court says we have no jurisdiction over this because uh israel did not uh, did not uh, ratify the rome accords you know what they did just like the united states they said oh yes we agree with this we think this is great but they never signed on the dotted line because they knew they'd be the first governments to be dragged into those courts, you know? Yeah, so it really is a, a violation of those principles. It's experimenting on children at this stage. Uh, the ACIP hearing for 12 to 15 year olds uh, is in process today. We are taking an experimental drug where we've already seen coagulopathy deaths in healthy young adults with no uh, comorbidities or other health issues. They're having heart attacks, pulmonary embolism, and stroke following these gene therapies, each of the manufacturers. And we're going to now say, oh, it's okay. Let's go ahead and put this in, in babies and children who are at 0003 to 0.002% risk for for mortality from COVID, that's insane. Medically, that is completely unethical. And the American Association for Pediatrics is getting up there and saying, oh, we think this is fine. And furthermore, we think it's even more fine if you get them at the same time as the other scheduled vaccines, even though we don't have any studies to show that that's safe at all. Uh, clearly, there's something wrong there. They are not protecting our children as they are supposed to do. 
So parents have to stand up and say, if you're not going to protect my child, I'm going to protect my child and you are not going to give my child this vaccine. It is experimental. We don't know the long-term consequences. We do know that it's causing heart attack and coagulopathy in young adults with no secondary comorbidities, indicating that it could do the same in my child or my baby. And there's other effective treatments that are safe. Why in the heck would any parent give their child this vaccine? Because, because you know, every five minutes on TV, they're telling you can get vaccinated here. You can get vaccinated. Well, they here. need to turn off their TVs. They and have they all the to, stars, to you know, research. saying, oh, you know, my, I'm walking through my neighborhood. I've been vaccinated. And meanwhile, you get the sense those who are not are skeptical and don't want to take the vaccine you get you get this sense that their world they're just going to shrink their world until they can only stay at home even if that you know like they're either the the vaccine passports are coming down and coming online all these things are coming online and my question to you is do you think the scientific community and the frontline physicians are somehow going to make a dent in this and if yes how and if not what's going to happen what's the future look like if more people speak out and more of the corruption and ties as many people are doing the research into ties of people in these organizations that are at the top level uh what kind of funding they've received what kind of kickbacks they're getting from pharma or from other entities as more of that is uncovered, um, it will be easier to remove them from those positions. Uh, it will also be easier if more doctors come out and, and overcome their fear of speaking out, because this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is, if people don't speak up now, there will not be a chance to speak up. Um, I, I strongly believe that. And, so. and I mean, how fast do you think this news is tightening? Very quickly. Um, I'm hoping it's not too late now. But we really, really have to just expose the lunacy of this. Um, by if you think even if you think about an immune escape and you think about the people that have the vaccines that are able to contract and also uh, spread different variants of the vaccine well logically you would say well if they can contract it and if they can spread a variant of it then they're more dangerous than people that don't have the vaccine at all yet why are the people that are being immunized being given carte blanche or more carte blanche than the unimmunized and we haven't even gotten to shedding um which is something that's being you know roundly discussed in the scientific community 
And even though it's being debunked, it's absolutely happening. Um, and we have lots of uh, scientific background documents uh, from prior to 217. That so you're talking about people scrubbing. who have been vaccinated who yes. are shedding the virus and infecting others around them? No, not shedding. Well, there's also shedding of the virus, because, uh, a different form of the virus. That's what uh, the immune escape is all about. But uh, could be shedding genetic material for a short time, as well as shedding the spike protein. And these have all been shown to be credible um, things that happen following mRNA vaccination, especially adenovirus uh, technologies. Shedding is absolutely known to be a consequence of uh, adenovirus gene therapies. It's talked about in, in multiple papers. So when I get on the internet and I see, oh, shedding, this is so silly. This doesn't happen. There's absolutely no proof for it. Um, what are the dangers of shedding? <laughs> They're lying, basically. Um, what are the dangers of shedding? Well, and um, Johns Hopkins did a did an interesting uh, overview of technologies that were available and could be available in the future for passive immunization and self-replicating mRNA vaccines. Uh, I'll have to give you the link for it. Uh, but the implications is that the unvaccinated could be unintentionally vaccinated through being in contact with persons who have been vaccinated. Now, uh, that's something that, that has been borne out as a real risk with the Pfizer documents, the Pfizer trial documents with men having sex with, with women through semen. Um, what is less clear is the extent and the length of time shedding occurs following uh, vaccination in, in men and women to secondary transfer. Um, what would secondary transfer be? So shedding of, of skin cells or aerosolization of... So just uh, breathing the, around that other person right. could... Oh, wow. Now, did you and, and the extent of it, I mean, we hope what we hope is that um, except just following inoculation or or shortly thereafter, the amount of genetic material that could be shared is not enough. And there have been studies that have shown that in past shedding uh, studies that typically it would not be enough to uh, effectively infect. That's a hypothesis. But we don't know this for sure with this particular vaccine, because as far as I know, where these particular set of vaccines, it has not been studied. Again, yeah. another credible problem that has not been adequately studied. Now, did you see the Salk Institute's recent uh, study put out saying, first of all, that the corona coronavirus was not a respiratory disease. It was a vascular disease. Did you see that? And- um, Well, I think it's, I don't think you can say it's not a respiratory disease uh, because it is. Uh, it has vascular components to it, the coagulopathies, definitely. Um, we know from past experiments, one of them uh, is the, I think it's this saying at all, uh, 2012 paper uh, about which re regards ADE uh, in, in mice and immunopathology in mice that they successfully were able to uh, vaccinate 
the animals in the study with several of the different types of vaccines, adenovirus and mRNA DNA. Um, and they did develop a robust antibody response to the immunogen, what they were immunized with. And uh, following that, when they were challenged with the real virus, they ended up with an enhanced immune response, which caused massive pulmonary inflammation uh, that killed many animals. And of course, we take we, we don't usually let animals die in studies like that. Uh, they're taken early to study the pathology of the animal. Uh, we call late stage moribund. It, it, it's just not done. So that's another way that the debunkers have gotten around while well, all the animals didn't die in the study because typically if you see an animal getting very sick, then you sacrifice them for, for obvious reasons of empathy uh, and also to figure out what, what happened in that animal so they wouldn't be allowed to die naturally. Um, right, okay. so, but, but the debunkers say, well, no, all the animals didn't die. <laughs> because they were sacrificed. Oh my God. Uh, you know, wordplay. Yeah. Um, well, they, the other thing that that now, one of the And that was clearly an immunopathology in the lung that caused problems. Not that I'm saying there weren't coagulopathies as well. Um, the other thing I, cause I, I was trying to understand the study and, and he was talking about how, you know, uh, the spike uh, protein can, can cause, I'm trying to understand like what, what the mRNA virus does. It, 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 it puts it that- It causes you to basically make the spike protein. All of the vectors cause you to make the spike protein yourself and express it on your cells. But isn't there a problem with, will your body know when to stop producing right. those spike proteins? That's a good question. That's another unknown. This autoimmune uh, response that can't be stopped, um, is that, how real is that? How real is that possibility? So we don't know because it has not been adequately studied. As far as antibody dependent enhancement, we've seen it several times in the animal studies. That's why these gene therapies never came to market prior to this, even though they've been in development, you know, 15 to 20 years. The reason why they never came to market is because they caused severe pathology in all of the animal studies. The disease was worse upon challenge than it was without the gene therapies at all. Yet somehow, we're now turning around in the middle of a pandemic, which has a, and I say quote pandemic, which has a 99.9% .9 survival rate for most people and taking these dangerous gene therapies and saying, oh, I know we said they were too dangerous to put out on the market uh, for the past 15 to 20 years, but now we've changed our mind, it's fine now. It's ridiculous. Like a few weeks ago, I if I heard somebody talking like this, maybe I think they were fear mongering. But but now I, I think it's really real. It's a global thing. It and, is. Uh, it's it's people are dying, and uh, they're, they're dying. That's true. They're being uh, denied medicines that could take care of it pretty well at the early stages. 
Yeah, and you have to think about this from the standpoint of never before has the pharmaceutical industry had access or the ability to experiment on humans the way that they're doing now. And it will not stop here. They've been given access, they've been granted permission to do this, and this will not be the only vaccine that this happens with. Every single vaccine that comes out from now on will be under emergency authorization. I, I just feel this in my gut because why can't they? They have no liability. They're, there's literally nothing stopping it. That's what has to change. Their liability it, it must change. change. There has to be oversight. There has to be competent oversight. And, and the corruption has just got to be eliminated. There is no question that these agencies are corrupted because the science is not science anymore. And it's, it's just alarming. Well, I thank you for coming on.